What is going on, everybody? It's your boys back with the JC and the Truth podcast. I'm your host, Lee. Some people call me the truth with my co-host, Chris. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, the head baseball coach at Ryder University, Coach Barry Davis. Coach, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it, and we are looking forward to hearing some great insights about you and the game of baseball. So for a quick little intro, Davis is a holder of of over 930 wins, and he has been a head coach for 30 years, having led three different programs at three different levels. His first 11 years, he led what is now known as Rowan College of South Jersey to unprecedented success, followed by four years at Georgia Southwestern State University before being named the current Riders eighth head coach in July of 2004. He is a member of, he's a member of four Hall of Fames. He was inducted into the Gloucester County College Sports Hall of Fame in 2010, the Gloucester County Sports Hall of Fame in 2012, the Bridgewater College Athletics Hall of Fame in 2014, and lastly, the National Junior College Athletic Association Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame in 2016. So, Coach, once again, we are glad to have you on. And for the first question, I just want to ask you in general, where did your love for baseball come from? Well, like I said, growing up early, uh, growing up early when I was a young kid, uh, early on, my father for I don't know what reasons uh it seemed like I was sitting on the couch watching sports all the time so it it was kind of ingrained in me uh, that that was uh, I enjoyed watching it I mean I it's funny I watched you know the old Notre Dame football highlights used to come on every Sunday morning when I was six seven eight years old and I would I would literally never miss it um you know baseball on television uh Football. University of Virginia wasn't far. I went to my first college football game in uh, October. Actually, the date was October 27, 1973, as the, as the first game I ever went to, and I was eight years old. And then I went the next week uh, to see a game, and, and it's, it just seemed that it was always a part of my life. And then as I got older, uh, I, I played. I mean, back back then, we all went outdoors and played. So we'd like, pick up basketball, pick up baseball, pick up football, you know, even in the streets. So it just became, you know, part of my life. And then as I got older, I just decided I, that's what I wanted to be involved with. And coaching uh, was, the, was the avenue to do that. And uh, so basically, since I was seven years old, uh, I've been involved with baseball. I'm 55 now, I'll uh, be 56 in July. So, you know, you're talking 40, 48, 49 years of, of, uh, of sports and athletics and baseball for the majority of it. Yeah, it becomes, you know, in our blood, we like, we like to say. Did you, have a, did you have a favorite player or even, I guess, football player, or even baseball player yeah. that you looked um, up to? You know, I, I, I think about this often. Uh, when I was – you know, I saw like I saw a lot of people play. I mean, I saw you know the Steelers when they became the Steelers. Uh, but my dad always talked about the Packers, the Green Bay Packers, and and um, you know Lombardi and the Super Bowl. And of course, when you're only five, six years old, and you gotta remember now, whatever age I am, that's the year of the Super Bowl. So if it's Super oh wow, Bowl, oh wow, I didn't even that's how old I am. So every year, <laughs> Super Bowl it is. That's how old I am. So Super Bowl one, I was one. So the first Super Bowl I remember was five, Super Bowl five. I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember seeing it on television. Super Bowl six was the first Super Bowl that I remember like watching the game. Uh, that was the uh, Cowboys against the Dolphins. But the Packers were the team my dad talked about the most. So my favorite player 
once I started to like football was was a gentleman was a man named John Brockington. He wore number forty two, which is the is the reason I wear forty two now, as oh, wow. as my number, and that's my Twitter account number because he was my favorite player. He was uh, he played at Ohio State. I didn't know that at the time, but he was with the Packers. Um, basketball. I was a big North Carolina fan growing up. I grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia, so the ACC was. Uh, very prominent. So we, we love that. So Phil Ford uh, played guard, you know, he ran the four corners. And if you go back and watch the history of North Carolina basketball, Phil Ford was a prominent player in the mid seventies. Baseball player, um, as I got older and I played, Ricky Henderson was yeah. the player. I love Ricky. And I loved Ricky Henderson, stole those bases. And I, and I you know, I, became, I was an A's fan because the A's, when I was seven, they they won the World Series and then they won it when I was eight and then they won it when I was nine. So I figure, okay, they're the best team. So I, uh, <laughs> you, know, eight, you know, the Packers were never really that good, but in 1972 they were. And uh, so I've been a Packer fan ever since. And and if I had to pick a team or or, or sport, football is probably ironically my favorite sport. Uh, but growing up, uh, I would say John Brockington, Phil Ford, and. Um, and um, what was I going to say? Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson. Uh, but I was a big Michael Jordan fan. I was a Carolina fan. So I was going to say, you got to be a big MJ fan. <laughs> yes, I, I was. And uh, I still like, you know, like this past year when I watched the uh, the documentary uh, with The yeah. Last Dance, I thought I just, I could watch it over and over again. Um, big fan of coaches. I like coaches and learn about those guys. So that's sort of my background there. That's it's super interesting. I think it's always – we talked about Ricky Henderson before too. He's he's a pleasure just to watch his highlights. I mean, he always seemed like he played the game the right way, the best way possible. So he's a great, uh, he's definitely a great role model for anyone getting involved in the game of baseball. So our second question is: um, Me and Lee have played baseball our whole life. You know, we still we don't play competitively now, but we'll hop on the field sometimes with friends and um, you know throw the ball and hit a little bit. But one thing that we've noticed is that coming from the north and where it's colder in the winter we always felt like we we're at a little bit of a disadvantage. So in your opinion, having coached both in the North and the South, do you think there's an advantage playing in year round in the South and why? Well, I, I, well, there's a couple ways to look at this. I think the people, you know, and in, in, when you're in the South, you can get outside a little earlier in the season. But I, the, one of the things that I would not argue, but you could debate it, is that, you know, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, you know, got everybody, maybe even the 90s, everybody played – all the sports you know you didn't just play specifically baseball you know or specifically basketball uh football i mean you know soccer what, what, lacrosse uh, tennis what um i played all three sports so we were outside uh playing baseball in the summer when the fall rolled around we were outside playing um you know you know football and then even basketball we played it outdoors on the, in in the in the parks, um, you know, with the old chain nets. Uh, we would play. Sometimes we play. We didn't have a net, um, and it, and it just it seemed like we we just played more, you know. There the video there were no video games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, by the time video game like video games for me were, I mean, they were so simple. Um, they didn't occupy our time. Uh, like they do today there were no cell phones you know there were no fax machines so you know we played more and i think instinctually baseball players you know, nowadays would because if you specialize in a sport 
you you tend to play it as much as you can and like all year round, which I don't think is a good idea. That's a whole nother, it's another show. Um, <laughs> uh, but the guys down south, because if you play all year, you can play in the wintertime, you can be outside more, you can you can get more instinctual, uh, you get more repetitions in things, uh, you know, and indoors up up north. I mean, we hit a lot, you know, we can throw. Uh, so we're definitely proficient in hitting and throwing. But we may lack some of the of the instinctual skills that say a young man from Florida or Georgia or South Carolina, uh, maybe even North Carolina would have because they can play a little bit more outdoors. Um, but it's much different. Uh, and I'm I'm I I'll say this: I am happy and very I'm almost elated that I grew up when I did. I you know knowing how I am now, I would not want to be uh, any other time period. Um, in way, the way I grew up and the way we learned how to play sports. And I, and I think that, that, that made it much more enjoyable. But uh, to, an, to the answer question, yes, I think the more people down south and in better weather have a tendency to have better instincts, um, you know, in terms, generally speaking, you know, uh, than, than the people that from the north. Uh, but, you know, baseball is one of those sports, the more you play, the better it is, the better you get. Yep. And, um, you know, you, you, you can catch up if, if you, if you have a passion for it and you're willing to be, you know, to dedicate yourself, you can certainly take the curve and shorten the curve. So, um, that, that hopefully I answered that question yeah. for you. Yeah, you did. I mean, in general, like, you know, I think, uh, living in the North, I never wanted to play baseball more until the snow was outside. And then I think to myself, <laughs> you know, how much I want the spring. But I mean, yeah, I, I always thought that they had like a huge advantage over us. But yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it. So now, coach, for our next question. So as we mentioned before, you've been selected into four Hall of Fames. Now, out of those four, is there one that just means the most to you or do they all mean the same? What do you what do you got? Well, one, each one of them has has its has its own meaning and it's special and it's uh, it's very humble to be. Um, recognized by your peers or people that you know you felt uh, recognized your dedication hard work and, and the success that you that you've had i i tend to lean towards uh, my selection at bridgewater uh because uh that were those were years that i i really enjoyed the four years um as a player i thought i was a good player uh we were on we had some good teams we won a couple conference championships and I just feel like uh, I'm connected to the school. Like I will always be connected to Bridgewater College. I feel like that, that when I'm there, I, they make me feel important. I feel like, you know, I just feel like I'm a part of what they're doing. And anybody that, that, that went to Bridgewater that I meet, they're like instant, instant friends. Uh, you know, I'm very supportive of them. Each one of the other other Hall of Fames are, are certainly great, and, it, and it's great to to be um, you know mentioned in the names of some of the people that have been great coaches and, and great players uh, in those uh, in those halls of fame. But uh, the Bridgewater one it means means a lot to me. So when they gave me the call, and that was really nice because my former coach is now the athletic director, and he's the one that called me. So um, I would if I had to pick one, that would be the one. But you know, the other three are certainly, um, I feel honored and humbled to be a part of that. And if I'm ever elected in any other Hall of Fames, they will all mean, 
mean a great deal to me. Yeah, and you know what, Coach, like you were saying before, you're, you're 55 years old and you're already in four Hall of Fames. I mean, that's that's quite the accomplishment for you. I think yeah. it speaks volumes to who you are as a coach and what do you mean to these certain players. So it, it is truly amazing. And when we saw that, we couldn't believe that you, you're in four Hall of Fames already. So congratulations. And, um, you know, we, we hope you're elected to four more. <laughs> um, so just one thing that I think that we have to touch on, it's been a detriment in our life for the last year now, it's COVID. Um, we are very curious as to how your season was impacted last year and this year as baseball season starts ramping up. What's been different for you guys? How have you guys gone about it? Obviously, you guys have to wear a mask, it seems like, everywhere you go now and get tested probably on a weekly or even daily basis. So starting with last year, how was that progression of COVID going from ramping up season activities to maybe even season getting canceled or um, even starting season and getting canceled to how is it this year and how is it different than previous years? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I'd heard the word COVID um, at some point last year, either January, late December. And um, it just was, a, you know, China, you know, they, we had heard, you know, just, you know, it was just kind of like noise over here. We're focusing yeah. on the season. I think we're living our lives, you know, like normal. Um, and I remember we were on the field. I don't know if it was late. I think it was uh, maybe the first week of February. And I had heard that day that the Ivy League had canceled their tournament. And as I'm raking the field and we're, we're out there preparing the field for practice, I'm thinking to myself, that's not, that's not good. And I'm thinking, you know, this might really affect us. Okay, so fast forward to uh, we, we open up, we play, we go a couple weekends, and then we play Delaware. And I remember getting a memo saying you can't shake hands with the coaches. The players are not allowed to shake hands after the game. So this thing is starting to pick up momentum uh, as we go. And now we're on a bus going to South Carolina, and we are – debating whether to go or not but i decided to go anyway because we we didn't want to be sitting at home and then have to get on the bus last minute so from the time we got on the bus until the time we got to south carolina we went from having a season to possibly playing the games that weekend in south carolina and returning home and to sit out for two weeks because we didn't know a lot about COVID. You know, we just knew that uh, that it was causing some problems and people were being affected across the country. And by the time we got down there, I was making plans for playing those three games against the Citadel and then getting on the bus and coming back home and then resting for two weeks to try to let this blow over, which we know now never did <laughs> and still hasn't. Um, I got a phone call from my, from my boss, uh, my administrator, and he said that, that the season's canceled. So we went in a matter of three hours, uh, roughly, uh, from having a season to having three games and waiting two weeks to having nothing. And then we have to get on the bus the next morning to tell the team is disappointing enough. But I think one of the things that we learned early, we, had, we did some mental performance training, and one of the things was, was talked about often is control what you can control. And the things that you can't control, you just have to you know, let that go and, and then try to make the adjustments to – to, to improve your situation or to make it, make it manageable. And, but understand there's only th certain things you can control. 
So I think that allowed me as a, as a person, coach, and, and someone, a leader, I guess, to, to put that in perspective and say, listen, we can't control this, so let's just make the best of it. Now, looking back on it, I mean, we didn't think it would escalate like it did. We didn't think that we would be, you know, um, the second wave, I guess, came around late July, August, and academics, you know, were hurting a little bit. So we've, you know, so right now, I mean, I got, this is my mask for the morning. I changed, <laughs> changed the mask, like, you know, every, like twice a day, I guess. But we're, we're dealing with it. We're practicing. We're trying to stay in small groups uh, as best we can. We do our best to keep our distance. We wear the mask every day at practice. When we're outside, there are opportunities to maybe pull the mask out if you wanted. But right now, um, we're being tested randomly once a week. I was tested about three weeks ago. I'm sure I'll get tested probably next week or the following week. Uh, knock on wood, everybody's been negative so far, you know, for baseball. But it's a very difficult uh, thing to manage because you know, the players are not with you every every day. I mean, I mean, I say every day, every hour, every waking hour. So they're off doing their thing. You hope that they're, you know, being safe, you know, being safe and following the protocols. To, you know, it's just simple. Three things. Wear the mask, social distance, and wash your hands. And, uh, and and if you can do that, you, you run a you run a, you're a high chance of not of not contracting it. So we're looking forward to the season. Um, there are you know we're getting used to dealing with some of these things, uh, and I think we're improving at, at dealing with it. But again, uh, every day's a, every day's a different day. Every day's a challenge. You got to stay focused. Don't get careless. And uh, I think we've done a pretty good job uh, up till now. Uh, we've had a couple cases and, and we've dealt with it and we've been able to work through that. So um, we're, we're, we're all, you know, full speed ahead and, uh, yeah. you know, trying to, you know, to do the right thing and just understand to be thankful that we're going to play, that they're going to allow us to play. And it's, it's better than, um, than the other alternative. Definitely. Mm-hmm. How many well, times have we heard those three things too? Yeah, right. uh, wash your hands, yeah. social distance, and wear the mask. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like wear the mask. I feel like I've heard it a thousand times. Yeah, within, you ain't kidding. Within the last year, and you it's know, like what? A- for the seniors too, it's, it's tough. I mean, imagine being a senior in this time. You can't figure yep. finish out your your whatever whatever sport you're playing. So right, you definitely yeah. gotta feel feel for all those guys. Yeah, it it's is. a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge. So we're 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 like we're doing. Like I said, it's it's a it's a life. It's a lesson, and uh, you know, hopefully one day we'll look back on it and you'll be able to tell stories about the 2020, 2021. You know that that time period is uh, going to be. You know, you know, it's going to be something in history that you're going to be able it to is. look back to, and uh, a lot of people lived it. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, I feel like in like 20 years, I'm going to see a hospital mask and have PTSD. <laughs> going through all this but you know but coach best of luck to you guys there so uh my my uh my final question is has there been a a specific moment a specific team a specific season any specific instant of coaching that sticks out to you as your favorite well there's a lot uh i mean i i don't want to do injustice to the teams and players and games that uh that I won't mention because there's been a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, when you win your first game, you remember the first game, where you were, uh, who you played, what the score was. Uh, but if I had to pick one team, one, you know, narrow it down from like almost 1,600 games in 31 years, 
1999, we had a junior college team that was, I thought, you know, top to bottom at, at our level. We were just very, very good. So uh, we, we, that team was special in the sense that um, I felt like we could compete with just about anybody. I had two, two pitchers that played professionally. Uh, on that team to, that that went to double that made it to double and triple A, uh, and to be a junior college division three junior college no less you know non scholarship to have two two pitchers of that caliber, um, you know you, you just hard to find both be big both strong, and uh, they pitched well. So we we played a community college uh, Norwalk out of Connecticut, who at the time entering the tournament was 48 and 0. They had not lost a game. Now I don't know who they played. I don't know, you know, but they uh they had a couple uh, god I can't think of his name. He was a first round pick now, left-handed pitcher, uh pitched for the Orioles for years. He was from Connecticut, Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, he was on that particular team. But when we played them uh two games into the tournament, they were 50 and 0. And I think we were 49 and six and um, we won that game that night we beat the team that had not lost a game and I, we beat them seven to two we, we played them we played as well and I think we, we just played as well as we could play we, a team that had not lost a game for the first time probably they were in a game where, where the team was as good or better and our pitcher Darren Felinas at the night that night had never pitched this well but he pitched he was literally uh, awesome that night um, and uh, almost unhittable and that was a fun night that was a night where I felt like okay we we just knocked off a team that has not lost a game and uh, literally the entire spring and you don't see that too often so I remember that's one game that's if you had to pick a game that's one game I remember going into uh, against a team that hadn't lost a game and and uh, we were able to come out on top and and we eventually they lost the next night I mean they lost two games wow. in a row and uh, wow. they were 50 and two in their last two games. They lost both of them. And then we, we won the championship game. I think that that particular uh, year, two to one over Richland College oh. in Texas. And um, so that was uh, that that was that was the one team, 99, uh, 1999. And that was the one game that I remember. But there's a lot of those types of games. There's a lot of games, too, that I lost that I remember <laughs> that uh, that were that were heart wrenching, heartbreaking losses but uh you, you you still now you look back you kind of enjoy that that you were in those games too and uh that you were competing it was fun it was a fun time definitely and, and you know just from listening to your stories it, you can just tell how special coaching is and how much it means to you i mean it's it's been 22 years and you can probably recall every pitch in that seven to two win you know what i mean it's 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 truly amazing and even as a performing player i there's certain moments and certain games and certain positions that i've been in where i just remember it like it's clear as day it's been probably seven eight years since i've played a really competitive game of sports but I, you know you can recall those moments and i can only imagine how special it is for you to be a coach to train these players all year uh, long and have these moments pay off like that so it definitely is special and it is, it is awesome to hear stories like that well, so I mean, just, like it, it's just part, it's become part, like I said, we talked about it ever since I was seven years old. I've been playing yeah. baseball and, and uh, baseball has, you know, remember just a lot of memories, a lot of memories, a lot of games. I mean, we're still going strong. I mean, now, and hopefully we'll create a few more of those mm -hmm. uh, along the way here in, in the final couple of years, few years of my coaching career. Mm -hmm. 
had some time left, so hopefully, uh, like you said, some more memories are, yep. are coming. So we, we, just, we just have one more question to you. Um, when do you think about advice for young players or even philosophies that you coach specifically, do you have any main pointers that you would give to young players out there in terms of, a, you know, playing the game the right way or something like that? And one thing that we're um, talking about before we got on air today, you're very close to win number 1,000. Do you have any special plans when you get there? Well, I, you know, I never thought about, you know, when I, when, you know, of course, every coach, this is almost like coach speak things. They say, well, you never really think about, uh, you know, I'm going to win, I'm going to coach and I'm going to win a thousand games. I think people say, I'm going to coach, I want to win one game. You know? <laughs> uh, and then I, I want to win two games. And then, you know, you want to, and I've, I've learned over, over the years, I mean, these hall, like the Hall of Fames, I mean, I never thought about that either. And I think that the lesson here is that you don't really think about the, you know, the end result. You just think about working hard every day, you know, trying to prepare, get your team ready to play that game. And then, of course, if you don't play well or you do play well, uh, you know, you win or lose, you, you know, there's always something to work on. There's always something to continue to get better. And I think that would be the one of, one of the lessons. Um, but as far as getting a thousand, I think uh, if I if I'm lucky enough to reach that point, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, you, you kind of want to you want to get it. I mean, I don't think yeah. it's in, it's not the end of the world if I if I don't. Um, but if you get to that point, how would I celebrate? I, I think I would uh, nice dinner. Uh, some so I, I'd probably spend a little more money on the wine than, than <laughs> I normally would spend, and uh, maybe go out to a nice place and uh, and uh, I think if I had to do it per right, I would love to have a a dinner with all the players, you know, yeah. together because they, I can't do that. I can't accomplish that without the players. And that's, uh, yep. and that would be fun to be able to sit around and talk with them guys about games that, uh, you know, I won in 1990, 1991, things like that. So I think that would be, if I had to, in a perfect world, that would be how I would do it. But I would, I think it would just be a sense of accomplishment and, you know, and, and just kind of savor the moment and think about all the great players and the, and all the, the practices and the recruiting and the ups and downs that you have along the way. But back to the other part of the question is I think developing a, a high level of self-discipline, uh, I think is, is, is important. And uh, because if you're, if you're not able to, um, be passionate enough to, to discipline yourself, self-discipline in terms of putting in the work that's required, uh, that little extra, the 1% better type of thing, which is 1% better if you wanted to nail it down into numbers, it's 14 minutes and 24 seconds. That's 1% of your day. Wow. So, um, and then as, as, you, as you go to, to connect with coaches, to connect with people, be, you know, build relationships with the right people, surround yourselves with the right people, uh, you know, that want to, that want to, that want what you want. Uh, you know, you, you know, guys who have this, have goals to play in professionally, or if you have a goal that you, you know, you want to get your master's degree uh, and, and you want to go on and get into business or you want to be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor, or if you want to be a writer, you know, I mean, you know, whatever your passion is, you know, find, find a way to, find a way to make money doing it 
and uh, and be disciplined enough and put that ahead of a lot of things. I wouldn't say put it ahead of your family or your friendships or if you're married, your wife and your and your children. Although I think if your wife and your children love you and they're supportive of you, they will allow you to go out and do those things. But as a young player, if we talked about this earlier today, play as many sports as you can. I think it does it does improve you. you first of all, you compete in different different scenarios. There's different uh, demands on the body. Uh, you learn you learn new things about yourself. Uh, so I would never discourage uh, a baseball player from playing basketball or football or or uh, I guess soccer uh, in in the fall. But uh, discipline, passion, um, and just wanting to be good at something that it matters, it's very important to you. And I think, you know, that would be my lesson. If it's not important to you, then you need to find something that is because you're not going to really give 100%. I mean, it's like your podcast. You want your podcast to be the best podcast. So you're, content, you're continuously trying to make it better. You're looking for ways to make it better. And uh, your careers and in, in, in broadcasting or, in, you know, in, in your future there. So uh, meet the right people, get around the right people. It's all it's all connected, and uh, and just and just be a pro, be a pro. It's hard to tell. You know, we're not talking about an eight year old here. We're talking about you know a high school kid uh, that that wants to be a, a college player, a pro player, and then but even after that, you know, you still have to have something that that you want to be good at and you have a passion for. So self discipline, passion, and uh, a commitment uh, with uh, rec- realizing sacrifice is a big part of it. And that's some advice that I think we could all take to heart, even the non-athletes, but, you know, but coach, thank you so much for uh, being on that. Do you have any last thoughts, anything you want to say before we get off? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I I mean, it's an honor to be on your show and and I'm glad to be a part of it. For people that are listening that want to find out a little bit more about what, what I'm doing or what I want to do and what I am doing, uh, go to barrydavis.co, which is my website. You can subscribe there, and then on a on a biweekly, a month by month, monthly basis, there's we get some leadership ideas that come out, something that would be, you know, very helpful to you, helpful to you individually. So you can go there and sign up for the five pillars, which are the five things that we be that I believe are the key elements and components to transformation, transforming programs, organizations, teams from losers to winners. You can go to Twitter. I, I tweet very often there at Barry Davis 42 and then Barry Davis 42 on Instagram. I don't use Instagram as much as I used to, as I should, but I will be, you know, uh, putting things there. I'm on LinkedIn and uh, I've been on several podcasts. So go to barrydavis.co and uh, see if you like what we have and sign up. And, uh, and if anyone out there knows anyone that wants a speaker to talk about leadership and uh, transformation and program uh, development, uh, I'm the guy for you. We will have links below in the description uh, of the of the video. But all right, guys, thank you guys for tuning in to the JC and the Truth podcast. Tune in next week, and we will see you all soon.